The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that and you'd like to catch it, you can do so up until 3 o'clock Eastern this afternoon, at which time he'll be live in that little area there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got there. Look for the rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, join us in the chat on Rumble. we got a lot of friends over there this morning. Good to see you guys. Good morning to all of you. And um, then while you're over there, please subscribe to the channel. The channel is Sons of Liberty Radio Live. If you go to Rumble and you put in Sons of Liberty Radio Live, all one word, that should come up as a channel. Uh, and you can subscribe there as well. We are streaming live over there to Rumble. And then we're also streaming live over on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. And we thank those guys for giving us a spot on their platform. Right up under where we're um, uh, the live feed is on sonsoflibertymedia.com is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, that has all the articles from the day at sonsoflibertymedia.com, including the morning show archive. So be sure to sign up for that. And also, if you want to keep us out there doing the things that we're doing, uh, you'd like to support that financially, you can do so. Um, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty, and we appreciate you guys very much. We really do. We really do, because we cannot do all of the different things that we do without your support to do it. So um, we, we really do appreciate that. All right, now, <clears throat> a couple of things. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you something good here first. I just I thought this was very nice. The, this lady is 94 years old. 94, Okay. And um, she's just being asked a couple of questions here. It's a it's a minute and twenty seven seconds, and uh, I just I think it's great in this day and age where uh, you get husbands who talk bad about their wives or wives who talk bad about their husbands and all these kinds of things. It's wonderful to 
to hear someone speak of a spouse uh, in the manner this this that this lady does. And I think I find it, you know, I find it encouraging. I obviously they lived a different life than what we're living, but uh, nevertheless, take a listen to this, and I think it'll uh, kind of kind of warm your heart a little bit. Let me make sure I got some volume up here, just so that uh, when I play it, it doesn't flute. Here it goes. Who was your greatest love, and why did you fall in love with them? My greatest love was John. He's my soulmate. Always was, always will be. I love him forever. We, um, he's just like a part of me. We didn't think the same way. We had different personalities, so it wasn't that. He's my soulmate forever. There'd never be another person like John. We completed each other. We got married in 1950. I have a story to tell you there. Please. John had three sisters, one of whom we got very close, so we double dated. I don't know who said it, but somebody said, why don't we have a double wedding? And we did. How did you like that? Oh, it's great. You didn't hear it all yet. You wait. Okay, let me hear it. <laughs> and we had a double honeymoon. <laughs> and we borrowed John's father's car to go. <laughs> we were so poor. Do you remember when he asked you out? I do. Remember, I'm 94. My memory. Okay, let, <laughs> let me stop and think. We would go to a 50-cent movie in Charleroi. <laughs> That's a deal. <laughs> it was sure a deal for him because he didn't have any money. <laughs> It was very exciting. I was in love. I don't know. Have you ever been in love? Yeah, yeah. So you know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it just goes all through you, right? <laughs> of course. From head to toes. Yes, yeah. it does. What's your name? Wilma. Hunter. Hunter. Did you ever hear a silly story like that? That's a beautiful story. We had a beautiful life, Hunter. We really did. Uh, you know what? Uh, sometimes you just need some good encouragement. And isn't it great? Uh, even though this guy, John's gone, that she's still recounts all that 94 the lady doesn't look 94 for you guys on the radio you you'd never guess she's 94 you guess she's older but 94 wow incredible but uh what a, what a great testimony uh sticking together 1950s gosh that would be like 70 years together that's that's just incredible it really is incredible and uh yeah so i thought i want I, i'd like to share that with you guys uh give you something good because you know we get so much bad stuff that sometimes we can lose sight of the good things. And <clears throat> I remember reading the story of David Brainerd. If you guys have not read his diary, I highly suggest you get David Brainerd's uh, diary uh, and read it. It was put together by Jonathan Edwards, who was a potential father-in-law for him. And uh, one of the things that you'll notice from Brainerd, <clears throat> he died when he was like 25 or 27, something like that from consumption, uh, going and being a missionary to the American Indians. And one of the interesting things is, is that he, he just, you know, he wanted to win the Indians, but there was just no color in his life. I mean, there was just, everything was damp, dismal, gloomy, melancholy, all this. And, um, and for Jonathan Edwards, it was like the, the direct opposite. And so sometimes we need something to break up the monotony of all of the bad stuff that goes on. And this is why the gospel's called good news. Uh, somebody has said they use the term good spell, gospel, God's spell <laughs> kind of deal. And that, that was the whole idea, uh, that it brings good news uh, to those who hear it and not the bad news that we're often uh, speaking about. In any case, let's get to the topic today. Um. <clears throat> You know, I've been thinking about this whole thing of the Pride Month. I also am recognizing something, and just to throw this in in the mix, 
I recognize that the people who continue to manipulate us or attempt to manipulate us do so with full knowledge. So when you have this Pride Month come in, when you have all this transgender, and we're, we're kind of giving some focus to that, while they're doing that, they're also beginning the rollout of the CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies. They're, right, they're putting in the first step to that. And, it, and I, just before I got on air, I thought, are they using these wicked things to implement this wicked thing? And I think they are. I always think they use cover in what they're doing. And they're, they're probably using this transgender stuff, this the sodomy stuff and all of that. And they're putting it forefront. So everybody's focus is on that while they're sneaking in the steps and the laying the bricks here for their CBDCs. That's just my thought. That's just a thought I had this morning, but I do think it is a way they know how to manipulate us. They know how to put things front and center and they'll take something that's really bad that we do need to address. And they'll get us focused on that while they're sneaking in the other stuff. So just be aware of that. I know some of you are following also with the CBDCs as well. All right, this comes out, this story is going to come out of Indiana. There's a federal judge that has blocked Indiana's ban on gender-affirming gender care, but upholds ban on reassignment surgery. Now, this guy is opening up the kids in so many ways because what he's allowing to, st though he's, rightfully banning the reassignment surgery. He's leaving open the gender-affirming care, if you will. Okay? And we're going to look at some of that, because what this does is allow the kids to be indoctrinated. And that's, in itself, many times worse, or the really bad part, before they even get to the reassignment surgery. So if you get them in that mindset... Man, with enough time, you know, maybe another judge will come down the line and say, yeah, you can mutilate yourself if that's what you want to do. This is from uh, Forbes. A federal judge on Friday blocked enforcement of Indiana's ban on gender-affirming care for minors, but upheld the ban on gender reassignment surgery. After nearly half of all U.S. states have passed restrictions on care for trans youth in recent months amid a major push by Republicans nationwide. But you know, this this pushed by Republicans. You know, it's the people. The people know that this is wrong to do. They know it's wrong. Um, <clears throat> it points out in a preliminary injunction, U.S. District Court Judge James Patrick Hanlon ordered all defendants, officers, agents, employees, servants, and attorneys to be restrained from enforcing the state's ban on physicians or medical practitioners who provide gender transition procedures. In other words, body mutilation. That's what that is. That's all it is. Is There's no transition that takes place for anybody who is still under that delusion. You don't actually become a, a man if you're a woman, and you don't actually become a woman if you're a man. You just mutilate the body. Hanlon's injunction also blocks enforcement on physicians or practitioners who aid or abet in providing gender-affirming care, including by making referrals or providing medical records and information to patients. The ban has been set to take effect on July the 1st after Governor Eric Holcomb. By the way, I used to have a friend down south here named Eric Holcomb. That is not him. Signed the ban into law in April, becoming the 14th state with such a ban. There are now 20 states that have passed bans and another seven with legislation under consideration. 
uh, and there's a list of the states with the restrictions that uh, Forbes has applied. Let's let's actually open that up, and I'll take you over there to that in just a second. We'll look at those states. The injunction will mean minors in Indiana can continue receiving gender-affirming care while the lawsuit brought by the ACLU. Remember, there, there were communists who started the ACLU. Okay? <clears throat> Makes its way through the courts. Under the Indiana law, healthcare providers in the state would be prohibited from knowingly providing the care. So you're you're telling me they, they wouldn't know uh, that they were prescribing hormonal therapy, puberty blockers, and gender reassignment surgeries to minors. It, it, this this idea with knowingly is kind of uh, it's kind of a joke. So here are here's a couple of the quotes that they give. Ken Falk, legal director for the ACLU of Indiana, which had requested a preliminary injunction to stop the law from taking effect, called the decision a victory and a testament to the trans youth of Indiana, their families and their allies, who never gave up the fight to protect access to gender-affirming care. What? How about a, how about a victory for the law? How, how come we don't look at that? Although transgender, this is the critic, the chief critic here, although transgender healthcare, as well as trans access in public bathrooms and in youth sports have become a hot button GOP issue, several medical associations have condemned the bans and argued the procedure is safe. Nonsense. Nonsense. <clears throat> the American Medical Association this week doubled down on its stance, passing a re resolution to protect access to evidence-based gender-affirming care. You want evidence? I mean, do we really need to go down this road? Let's let's look at the evidence. The evidence is when you come out of your mama, what did they say? What did they tell you? It's a boy or it's a girl. Let's let's go back before that. Many women nowadays have ultrasounds. What did they tell you when they put that little ultrasound? Oh, there's the little stem on the apple. Oh, there's the hamburger. I remember. I remember. It's a boy. It's a girl. That's what they did. That's what they did. They know before the child is even born now, in many cases. And they definitely know once the child's born. Let's talk evidence. That's what it is. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. <clears throat> Evidence-based gender-affirming care. The AMA previously said medical care should be kept within the sanctity of the patient-physician relationship, while the American Academy of Pediatrics has said transgender youth, there is no such thing. They're, they're confused. There's no doubt about that, okay? There, there's no doubt about that. But he says um, they face a disproportionately high level of not only harassment but homelessness, physical violence and substance abuse. Well, yeah, because they're confused. You know, the term queer used to apply here because they were engaged in things that were not normal. They were considered strange, weird. Okay, that was that was why the term was used. And so of course they're going to engage in this. They that you'll you'll find not only substance abuse, you'll find, you know, high rates of suicide too. And if you want to help these young people, then you tell them the truth. You don't lie to them. You don't exploit them. You don't take their money and cut body parts off. You don't do that. That's not love for these people. That's love for yourself. Okay? 
Yeah, sorry about that. That that was what they called it when we went to uh, when we had ultrasounds. You know, I, I'm not going to go into it. You you can figure it out. <laughs> That's just what they said to us. Um, <clears throat> this is the list here of the states who have uh, enacted some of these things. This is also put out by Forbes, just so you're aware. Missouri, Texas, Nebraska, Florida, Oklahoma, Montana, North Dakota, Indiana, Idaho, West Virginia, Kentucky, Georgia, Iowa, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Dakota, Utah, Alabama, Arizona, and Arkansas. Those are the states uh, that have implemented some sort of legislation to block this gender affirming care stuff. It's not really care. It's exploitation is what it is. Um, <clears throat> my understanding is that this guy, uh, Hanlon, this judge, U.S. District Court Judge James Patrick Hanlon, my understanding is he believes this is actually real. Okay. He believes this is actually real. And so this is why he's allowing certain things to go forward, but he's not really ready to let the surgeries and puberty blockers and all that. He's ready to let the indoctrination continue. That's what he's allowing to go on. Okay. The abuse of, of the children's minds. And that's what this is. It is an abuse of the children's minds uh, in what they're doing. Just so we know who this guy is, uh, you guys who are watching by way of the video platforms, this is the guy right here. Um, there he is with his family, and he's swearing on the Bible as he goes in. He's you know, going to provide good behavior uh, during his time on the bench. And he's supposed to uphold the law. And what have we been seeing for quite a while? I mean, we've seen that our common law is based upon the Scriptures. And what do the Scriptures teach about certain things like this? Well, it doesn't necessarily go into transgenderism, but it gives us what is from the beginning, right? I mean, this is what we have talked about many, many times on the show, and that is how God has created what he has commanded. Uh, and so let's let's go over there. Let's pull this in, and we'll go back over to the story. And that is <clears throat> just a simple recount. Most of you will be familiar with this passage. It's not like it's difficult to understand. Um. We see on the sixth day, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. And how did he create him? Male and female. Male and female created he them. And, he, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. So how do you do that if, um, you know, you, let's say Adam and Eve got gender confused here. Huh. But w what's going to happen? Well, they can't fulfill that command, that's for sure, can they? <laughs> I mean, they can't do that. But they knew who they were, and they knew which parts went where, and how to accomplish the command. So be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in, wh in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for meat 
and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given thee every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was, it needed to be changed, it needed to be altered, needed some kind of therapy. Nope, it said it was good. It was very good. That's what it says. It was very good. So here we have from the beginning, God establishes man and woman, and man and woman are made in his image. And so when the image of God gets distorted, when it's already marred by sin, but when it gets distorted to this fact, we must call it out and correct people to call them back to God's original intent, just like Jesus did. And we went through this um, several weeks back when we talked about going to Matthew 19 and how Jesus looked to the Pharisees and they said, well, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And he's like, you guys haven't read the scriptures? From the beginning, it was not so. He always goes back to the beginning. So if you want to correct most things, you can just go right back to the beginning and say, well, this, what, this is not how it was. This is not how it was. Pertaining to the law, <clears throat> the scriptures are clear. I mean, they're just clear. And this right here comes as close to dealing with the whole trans delusional agenda as anything does. Deuteronomy 22.5 The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. That's part of the law. That's part of the written law. Okay? You say, well, what does that have to do with all this other stuff? Well, the idea is that you're dressing up to look like the opposite sex, the opposite gender. And despite what these people want to say about you know, I don't know how many different genders they're coming up with. It's just kind of goofy to me. But anyway, <clears throat> actually, yeah, they were there. They were created then. Yep. Uh, in fact, Genesis 2 goes on and it kind of shows us how that creation have. It expands upon that part of that creation of how it was done. In any case, he's telling um, them not to do that. Don't confuse yourself. Remember, we read that other part that talked about the, the, the woman with the beast. It is confusion. It is confusion. So all of that's tied in, and we read from 1 Corinthians 11, too. And I, I, I told you, you guys, I, when you go through that passage and you start understanding what he's getting at, he's having to lay out other things uh, to the people because they come out of a culture that's clearly a gender-bending culture, the, the Corinthians. I mean, they were a warped bunch of people, but God had saved many of them. He had saved many of them out of their warped culture. And <clears throat> what is it that we read there? Well, 1 Corinthians 11, speak about this, and he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So he gives, he, he's not only going to separate out the, the gender roles, but he's going to separate out the authority that comes with those roles. Okay, So the woman is, the man is the authority over the woman. And Christ is the authority over man, and God is the authority over Christ. That's how he's laid it out. 
And he says this, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. Just shave it down to bald head for a woman. Okay? For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. She's not going to cover her head and go ahead and shave it. Just to, you know, bring a shame, a humiliation on her. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for so much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the women to have power on her head because of the angels, that she's to put a covering of her head. I think this is, I think some of this ties back into the Islamics uh, where they pick up the hijab of covering the head too. They have something very, very similar to this. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things are of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So what Paul lays out here is not the, the term long hair. This is the only place you find it in Scripture. Okay. And I remember growing up in a certain um, junior high, quote unquote, Christian school. And I remember this came up constantly because you had to have your hair cut. Uh, if you're a guy, you got to have it cut above your ears, over your collar. And they would come by every week and they would pull on your hair to see if it touched your ear or your collar. It's just ridiculous. <clears throat> they were taking this as that. And I don't think this is what this has to do anywhere. Because what you see is through the scripture, you see Paul talking to the women about not adorning their hair, you know, really doing it up, putting all these jewels in it and, you know, braids and stuff to, you know, draw attention to themselves. I mean, I wasn't, he wasn't saying, you know, make yourself look, you know, homely, but he was definitely saying, let, you know, work on the inside, a gentle and quiet spirit, develop that. That's what he told the women. But he was, he was contrasting that. And in this one, I don't think he's uh, dealing with the issue of length so much as he's saying, don't do your hair up like a woman, guys. Don't, don't do that. Don't try to make yourself look like a woman. This goes right in parallel with what we read out of Deuteronomy. Because there it's about wearing the clothing. Here it's about trying to look like them. And boy, do we see that going on today. We see that. And he even has to, they had so twisted themselves in their genders that they were now starting to take on the roles of, of the opposite sex. And that's part of the curse too. God lays that out to Eve that her, he's going to rule, the, the man's going to rule over you, but you're gonna, your desire is going to be for him, to rule over him. That's part of the curse too. So <clears throat> anyway, that's, that's part of what goes on. But, uh, yeah, that's what they wanted to make us wear. Uh, somebody made a comment down there. Yeah, that's, that's, how, they wanted, that's how they want us to wear our hair. Um, nevertheless, that's all part of what, go, what goes on there. Going to the PBS story on this, um, 
they lay out this right here. It, see, they, they play the party stuff. Indiana's Republican-dominated legislator approved the ban after contentious hearings that primarily featured testimony from vocal opponents and many arguing the gender-affirming care lessened the risk of depression and suicide among transgender youth. ACL leaders held the ruling by Hanlon, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump. Hmm. Hmm. What are you doing out there, you Trumpites? Going to call this one out? Are you going to say, oh, well, you know, he just... Uh, as a victory in the fight to defend the right of all trans people to be their authentic selves, free from discrimination. Well, they're not being their authentic selves. They're being their authentic selves. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be going to these um, gender-affirming care. You see? They want to be something that they're not. We won't rest until this unconstitutional law is struck down for good, Ken Falk, the ACLU of Indiana's legal director, said in a statement. I'm telling you, the men are going to have to rise up and say, no, you're not doing this stuff. You're just not going to do this. I don't know what it's going to take for us men to start doing that. But that's what needs to happen. At least 20 GOP-led states have now enacted laws restricting or banning such medical treatments for transgender minors after Missouri's governor signed that state's bill into law last week. Lawsuits have been filed in several states against transgender treatment bans. Federal judges have also blocked enforcement of laws in Alabama and Arkansas, and Oklahoma has agreed to not enforce its ban while opponents seek a temporary court order blocking it. The bill from Indiana comes from Joanna King of Middlebury. She said, as the bill was debated, that it would, quote, protect our children from irreversible harm and life-altering procedures. That's exactly right. That's what the concern is. This is a, if you love the children, you should keep them from this stuff. I mean, if you really love them. If you don't love them, you let them turn out like the, um, I forget the little girl's name I showed you the other week. She's not a little girl. She's a, a woman, but she's trying to be a man. I forget the girl's name. <clears throat> Elliot Page is what she's going by now. I, I, I don't know. I forget what her name was. Emma Page, I think, was what her name was previously. But she's trying to present herself as a man. I mean, it's really sad. She just looks, her face looks sad. It doesn't look happy at all. It looks depressed. But this is what's going on. So the obvious question then is, well, you know, what are you to do with somebody like this? This judge, Hanlon, again, I, I find this ironic that he was appointed by uh, Donald Trump. You know, it's kind of funny, by the way, let me just bring this up. Do you remember when um, Jim Acosta got thrown out of the White House press uh, conference room? He, he wasn't allowed to come in. They took his pass and all that. Yeah, you know, the judge that, that told Trump he was wrong and he had to let him back in because he had a right to be there as a member of the press. Do you know that judge was appointed by Trump too? No. If Jim Acosta has a right to be in the White House press co conference room, Tim Brown does too, right? You understand that? Every person who does anything as far as a podcast, if they do a radio show, if they write a blog or any, all of them have a right to be in that room too. 
I mean, that's the argument. That's basically the argument. I find that interesting in light and and this tie in with this transdelusional stuff uh, from something that um, you know Bradley put out the other day. And uh, of course, this was from 2020. This screenshot here, where he retweeted retweeted that video from Richard Grinnell that I played for you guys, uh, where Trump was the most pro-gay president in history. He did that. And um <clears throat> and then you you have you have them promoting all of this kind of stuff. And you have them taking in all of these uh sodomites and lesbians and the transdelusionals and the rest of them, whatever the alphabet covers there that they're putting in place. And then Bradley had also pointed out that after Biden signed an illegal marriage act, Donald Trump hosted a gala for homosexual Republicans at Mar-a-Lago. See, and, and here's the thing. I know there are people out there that go, Trump is not behind us. Trump is for us. He's no, he's not. And you need to get that through your head. I, I don't know what the thing was yesterday <clears throat> that I had. Somebody in our Telegram group put in that, uh, I forget what it was. It was something about, oh, it was, it was, a, it was something that, that Trump has recently said. He was going to appoint a special prosecutor for, and I forget what the specific thing was. And I go, well, how did that work out when he promised that for Hillary Clinton? Because right after he won, after people were saying, lock her up and do all this stuff and prosecute her and all this, right after he won, I mean, he didn't even get a minute into his victory speech where he basically gave the middle finger to the American people and said, we owed her a debt of gratitude for her service to our country. Same guy, same guy behind it. Same guy behind getting this judge handling on the bench. So what do we see here? I mean, he, he is on the one hand, you know, okay, good job. You stopped the, uh, the puberty blockers. You're upholding that you, you stopped the surgeries. Thank you for that. But you leave the indoctrination in. And see, all of it's taking place in these people's minds. All of this confusion is happening in their minds. And this is why the Bible talks about repentance. Go look up the word. What you'll find is it's a change of mind. It's a renewing of mind. A correction even. And we're told in the scriptures to renew our minds, right? As believers, we're to renew them. How do we do that? We do it in the washing of the water of the word. We use the word daily and it cleanses, it renews our minds. It sets our minds aright. So, but what do we do in a situation where a judge like Hanlon is doing what he's doing? Would you say that Stopping the surgery and the puberty blockers are good, but it's leaving the indoctrination here that molests the minds of the children, that infects them with this confusion in hopes that later somebody's going to uphold the, the surgery stuff and the puberty blockers, and we'll just move on down the road. We'll just move a little step at a time. I think that's just as dangerous. I think that's just as dangerous. And then if you get parents like... um uh, the little boy from uh, the Disney stuff, Jazz Jennings, you, you get you get parents like that. They seem to be more out for the money than they are for their own kid. 
the harm they've caused that little boy is just, it's, it's incredible to me. I can't imagine parents that would do that to their kid. But in any case, what do we do with some of these guys? Well, the Constitution does provide remedy for dealing with people like Mr. Hanlon here. And there's a couple of places. One is Article 3, Section 1. It says the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. That would be this U.S. District Court that he's a part of. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices when? During good behavior. Now, I've heard some people tell me that that's not defined. I'm going to show you that it really is. And shall, at stated times, receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. So they're going to get paid for their services, but they can only remain in office under what? Good behavior, right? All right. So let's let's define what that is. Let's go to Webster's. You know, Noah Webster would have been one of those guys. He He put the words together so that we understand exactly what he's talking about. And this is what Noah Webster says is the definition of good. And remember, even when a person came to Jesus and they said, good teacher, and he goes, wait, wait a minute, there's only one good, and that's God. What, what, what is this business you're doing? Good. This is how Noah Webster defined it, 1828. Valid, legally firm, not weak or defective, having strength adequate to its support as a good title, a good deed, a good claim. Number two. Valid, sound, not weak, false, or fallacious as a good argument. Number three, complete or sufficiently perfect in its kind, having the physical qualities best adapted to its design and use, opposed to bad, imperfect, corrupted, impaired. We say good timber, good cloth, a good soil, a good color. And then he uses it right out of Genesis 1, which we did a minute ago. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Number four, having moral qualities best adapted to its design and use or the qualities which God's law requires. See, now he's going back to God's law. Okay, now he goes to God's law. Virtuous, pious, religious, applied to persons and opposed to bad, vidious, wicked, evil. Okay. Number five, conformable to the moral law. Virtuous, applied to actions, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. That's Titus 2.3. Number six, proper, fit, convenient, seasonable, well adapted to the end. It was a good time to commence operations. He arrived in good time. Number seven, convenient, useful, expedient, conducive to happiness. Number eight, sound, perfect, uncorrupted, undamaged. This fruit will keep good the whole year. Suitable to the taste or to health, wholesome, salubrious, palatable, not disagreeable or noxious. Suited to produce a salutary effect, adapted to abate or cure medicinal, salutary, beneficial. Right? These are all the definitions. I mean, my goodness, he's got he's got them going down. <laughs> you can see his definition for good. It's 40 different kinds of definitions. For the word good from Noah Webster. Pretty incredible, isn't it? 
But it, but he basically, in this kind of situation, what we're talking about is you've got a judge that's going to rule between that which is good and that which is evil, right? He's going to make moral judgments based upon the law. And we're talking about, really, God's law. Because any law that's written that's contrary to God's law is pretended law. Okay? So that's that's the definition he gives for good. So what what about behavior? Well, that one's a little shorter, a little simple. The manner of behaving, whether good or bad, conduct, manners, carriage of oneself with respect to propriety or morals, deportment. It expresses external appearance or action, sometimes in a particular character, more generally in the common duties of life. As our future destiny depends on our behavior in this life, it may express correct or good manners, but I doubt whether it ever expresses the idea of elegance of manners without another word to qualify it. To be upon one's behavior is to be in a state of trial in which something important depends on propriety of conduct. The modern phrase is to be or to be put or to be put upon one's good behavior. So we see this is this is what people see externally from us. That's our behavior. This is why I will not refer to any longer to the sodomites, the lesbians, the transdelusionals, and all that other stuff. I won't refer to it as a lifestyle. It is behavior. That's what it is. It's a behavior one engages in. It's kind of like somebody who is a uh, kleptomaniac. They're constantly taking things that don't belong to them. It's a behavior that they're involved in. It's not a lifestyle that they're engaged in. It's a behavior. And that's why they can be punished for it. Because it's behavior. Think of it this way. Those of you who have children, you ever had to spank your children? You ever had to correct your children? Huh? You ever had to do any of that? Yeah. It's a, you're, you're correcting behavior. Why? Because you love those kids and you don't want them going out into the world and doing the foolishness that they're doing in your midst. You want to correct that at home because you love them. Okay? So what are we seeing here? We're seeing that judges can remain on the bench during good behavior. They have good, principled, moral, lawful, upstanding behavior that they're engaged in. And if they're not... And if they're ruling outside of that kind of good behavior, like this judge is, and not according to the law, then they are to be removed from office. They're to be impeached. This comes from um, Article 1, Section 3, Clause 7 of the U.S. Constitution. This is what it says. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office. So you go through an impeachment process with a judge, with a representative, with a president, or any other officer, okay, that's been elected by the people, that's been put in. You you seek to impeach them, And that impeachment leads to removing them from office. It doesn't lead to prosecution. It leads to removing them from office. And disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. So they can never serve in the capacity of an office representing the people. 
But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. So the first step of the people is to move in and to tell their representatives, we need this guy gone. Now, I'm not Dave Jose in the sense of I know the specific legal language that you got to write and this, that, and the other. But I would say that it's probably very much like in the injunctions that we uh, brought to you on Friday last week uh, dealing with the issue of arms. You've got to let the people that that represent you know, we're, we need to impeach this guy. This guy needs to go. And it's going to take a lot of people to do it. Indiana, if you're there. But maybe some other states can join in as far as people, you know, letting them know, hey, we saw what this guy did. This can affect our states, too. Uh, maybe you want to write in and do, deal with that. But this is, uh, again, U.S. District Court Judge Hanlon. And um, he, uh, yeah, Judge James Patrick Hanlon. This is the guy that we're talking about this morning, who, though he did a right stand in keeping up with what, you know, he's dealing with. Uh, he, he took a right stand in stopping the surgeries and the puberty blockers, but he left the other stuff, the indoctrination in place. It's interesting because I ran across, when I was looking at some of the stuff, I ran across this. And you want to talk about something that's just downright blasphemous, and you, you just go, boy, these people are just taking the Bible and... They're not even really using the Bible, but this is from the Human Rights Campaign. Yeah, this is trouble. What does the Bible say about transgender people? Is this the place where you would expect the Bible to be coming up here? It's incredible. Listen to what listen to what said. And see, this is part of the indoctrination that will be in these gender affirming sessions that's going on. Okay, that that this judge is leaving in place. It's going to. This is no doubt going to find its way into that. There's no doubt it's going to be more confusion on young minds. And here's what they write here: For several decades, political and theological debates related to LGBTQ plus. There is no debate. There's no debate. The only people debating it is people who don't believe the Bible. They've centered around same-sex relationships for lesbian, gay, and bisexual people. While an exploration of that topic is important, the, vo the volume of faith resources dedicated to it have often excluded reflection on the unique considerations related to gender identity. <laughs> Not good, solid biblical exegetes, is not They tell you what the Bible says. Just read Genesis chapter 1, male and female. That's the genders right there. Mistakenly, some Christians have suggested that taking the Bible seriously requires people of faith to stand in opposition to the existence, health, and humanity of transgender people. Well, number one, there are no transgender people. Nobody's actually transitioning from male to female or female to male. There, there's none. You can't even prove it. You have to believe it on your faith, I guess, of something you can't even, you, I mean, you can't even prove it. Consequently, so yeah, I there is no existence of quote-unquote transgender people. There, there is no such thing. And I'm not opposed to their health or their humanity. They are human. They're made in the image of God. I want them to be healthy, and therefore I say quit listening to the people who just 
aid you in your confusion. I mean, if you want to be healthy, quit listening to those who are aiding you in your confusion. Consequently, gender expansive people of all demographics and Christian traditions have been made to feel that they must choose between their faith and a living, whole, healthy, and authentic life. Whether you're a ministry leader, a family member of a transgender person, trans person of faith yourself, this page seeks to serve a brief overview. Now, this is it's they give a lot of stuff here and they talk about resting scripture. It's absolutely incredible. What these people do, it really is. But let me slide right up here. Here's here's their main thing. It's a schmoozy, syrupy, milk toasty you know, penny-wasted kind of understanding of what God has said in His Word. They say, when we use the term affirming, what we are referring to is the theological view that all expressions of gender are an integral part of God's design for diversity within the creative order. No, it's not. He said, we just read, he said, men don't put on women's clothing. And the idea is to appear as a woman. And women don't wear men's clothing, and the idea is so that they appear as men. Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm convinced he's addressing that because he then addresses their, their authoritative roles. All of this bending of genders, all of this, you know, all-inclusive, you know, let's just get with whoever we want, doesn't matter if they're the same sex or what, is foreign to Scripture. Scripture is clear. It is clear. God's roles for gender. And when we use non-affirming, this goes back to this page from Human Rights uh, Campaign. When we use non-affirming, we're referring to the theological view that transgender and other expressions of gender variants are either sinful within themselves or that they are morally neutral, but nevertheless a kind of disorder, mental illness, or other brokenness. It's all brokenness because of the fall. My goodness. Some people have this as sin in their life. Other people have adulteries. Other people have thefts. Other people have murders and hatred. Other people have covetous hearts. Other people are idolaters. Other people take God's name in vain. Other people have set up other gods. Everybody's got different sins that they need to be saved from. Thus, a savior from sin, Jesus the Christ. We're all broken. But I don't see... Look... Do I sit here and try to get people to affirm my sin? It's okay, Tim. Everybody does it. Is that what we want to hear? Or do we want to hear that Christ has paid for that sin? Now, now stop sinning. Quit your sinning. Repent. That's the more biblical, healthy approach for the individual if you love them. If you love them. But listen to how they finish this. Whether you already feel confident in your position or are searching for new possibilities, our hope is that researching, studying, and wrestling wrestling with the scriptures and questions most relevant to trans experiences are part and parcel of what it means for Christians to, quote, love God with all one's heart, soul, and mind. Boy, I tell you what, and you read some of the stuff that they got in here, this is a silver-tongued devil who wrote this thing. I'm just telling you. There is no way to affirm what God has said in here. In fact, 
All of this stems from the fact that, yeah, there is, we call it a mental illness. I'll say it's a, it's a spiritual judgment. That's what the Bible says that it is. Just listen. Romans 1.18, we've read this many times. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it to them. So God's revealed himself in nature. Now, that's not enough to save people. It's enough to condemn them. That's what Jesus said, that men were already condemned. He didn't come into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. That's you and me. Even the creatures know that. Even his eternal power and Godhead. Those things are revealed to us so that we're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain. They're vain in their imaginations. This is what this transdelusional stuff is. It's vanity. And their foolish heart was darkened. They professed to be wise, but they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds, into four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies, to dishonor their own bodies, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this, God, for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Or even as it goes on, it talks about the women with women. All right. Change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women or the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they would just, we don't want God in our knowledge in our understanding, in our worldview. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And he lists a whole bunch of stuff here. The point is, it is going on in the mind. And what has the church been given? We've been given spiritual weapons that are mighty through God for the tearing down of strongholds. Where are those strongholds built up? Right there. Right in the mind and in the heart. And we've been given the tools to tear those things down, to give the good news of the gospel that Jesus saved sinners and to call sinners to repentance in order that they might be reconciled back to God. But we got to deal with these judges. And Judge Hanlon is one that needs to be dealt with. He needs to be impeached. Keep him right at the forefront there. Bradley be with you at three. See you in the morning at six, Lord willing. Adios.